to Big Red Couch, the podcast about making role-playing games. A group of GMs and players draw ideas from the mystery box and bring their game pitches to you. Good day, gentle listener, and welcome to the Big Red Couch. Today, we have all the way over in Merry England. I, why do I pronounce it like that? Have I... Have I is it deeply offensive? I don't know. It's very strange. I think How would I know? I mean, I, I, I just live here. I'm not English, despite the accent. <laughs> and indeed, the citizenship. Um, yes, very compelling. I, I'm sure that the, the, uh, your, your captors will take mercy on you in the uh, Great Reckoning. But... <laughs> no, don't beat me again. Not the tea bags. Um, yes, I, I think I'm just weirdly channeling Bill Bailey for that moment. It feels that, by the way, I'm Craig. Um, <laughs> if you haven't figured that out by now, um, then you haven't listened to any of our previous episodes, uh, which really makes you wonder why you're here. What's what, what's going Do you need help? Um, <laughs> Are things going okay? <laughs> calling your mom? <laughs> indeed, indeed. Yes, it's Craig. How's it going, and, and Craig? And you are, just to confirm, I, I am you're, you're still there? Yes, I'm still. You're still. Okay, just checking. Wow, we're doing doing brilliantly here. What? A... I, mean, I mean, to be fair, this is better than the start of my week, so... Yeah, no, you're right. Swings and roundabouts, people. Indeed, indeed. Um, we are. Yeah, I, I, I spent the majority of my week sort of running around putting out fires, some of which were my own making, some of which weren't, and some of which were caused, extending the metaphor to breaking point, by the sparks thrown by beating out the previous fire. So um, so that was a thing. Just to be clear, Craig works in IT, but we really need the, the self-esteem by to boost up the seriousness and dramatic doings of our roles, because otherwise it would just be completely pointless. I'd like to pretend that my job has impact and meaning, okay? Yeah, I know. It doesn't. <laughs> it's... It, it, yeah. It's an inescapable truth of our world that most of the things we do result in... Uh, well, yeah. Yeah, when, when, when I say putting out fires, what I mean is the pricing system stopped working in one case. <laughs> Still, people would have been very concerned. There were a lot of emails. Yes. <laughs> so many emails. Maybe oh it's more accurate to say you're putting out being fired, which would have been inconvenient. <laughs> That's accurate. Yeah. I get the current point. It's not like I, I can say, well, sod it. I'll just go back and live at my parents' place because that's really difficult to get to right now indeed indeed and you know here at in new zealand on this mm-hmm. evening election results are being tallied though we've been doing the voting thing for a couple of weeks now because people have decided that's a whole lot more convenient but yes we are looking like getting a uh, fully uh, socialist republic of new zealand thing going Woohoo! <laughs> fully automated luxury gay space going communist utopia Apart from the space-going bit and most of the other bits. And most of the other bits, definitely. And it's not that automated. Honestly, that's uh, probably for the best. Yes. So that's... We get a lot of rainbows, so that's nice. (laughs) The results are are, are very poor at this point, but yes, it's going to be a... um, It's going to be interesting. I I will probably be following them over the course of the day because it's the weekend and I have literally nothing better to do. Indeed, indeed. And that's always... That sounded better in my head. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Indeed, it's always fun having the uh, you know the the place on the other side of the world. You can uh, well during the course of your day, be you at work or not, you like check a website. And go, oh, someone's going to hate that. <laughs> well, I may or may not have voted this time round. Um, like may or may I not? printed out the forms yeah. and and scanned them and sent them in, but because we're in lockdown, there's one library in this town. It's locked down, mm-hmm. so. I got to use a friend's printer that kind of... It was doing its best, but the ink cartridge was kind of old. Oh. Uh, And so bits of the form I had to kind of fill out by hand that probably weren't. So God knows whether I actually voted or not. I I genuinely (laughs) have no idea. I tried. We, we, We all tried. Like, the printer's probably a good printer, but... It it was was struggling. Yeah, it's it's struggling, and like... What you interpret as black changed remarkably over four pages. <laughs> right. Okay. So you, there, there is the outside chance that you've accidentally <laughs> applied to become Governor General. Um, yeah. 
And it's possible that I've, I've convinced one of my co-workers to commit uh, electoral fraud in New Zealand. So they'll be fine. Good luck with that one. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not like it's real electoral fraud. It's not like it's a real country. <laughs> Speaking of which, <laughs> lovely, lovely opportunity for a segue there. <laughs> we are here tonight or tomorrow morning. I still don't know how time zones work. Um, indifferently ineffectively i i think whatever they did differently is definitely more accurate than effectively they're very effective at screwing stuff up the game pitch prompt for our episode of the big red couch 149 is the lost continent of zealandia which i have to say in that particular tone for some baffling reason i'm just a collection of like weird verbal tics at this point i i blame the movie cats versus dogs because towards the end of it you've got a bit where a cat has got a bunch of mice in on on, on the scheme and is doing this big rabble rousing uh, rousing speech and is basically saying and to each of you i promise 16 pounds of monterey jack cheese and the entire continent of australia it, it's that tone Considering mice regularly overrun the entire, you know, great chunks of Australia, it's probably a bit of a um, empty promise, but, you know, that's politics for you. <laughs> They're already there for the most part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, this is a challenge. I mean, it's a, it's an auspicious day to, to record it. Hmm. And weirdly, we didn't plan it that way. No, planning like, is... If we thought of it, we probably would have. But <sighs> if you've listened to this show, you know that's not really where we're at as people. No, not exactly our wheelhouse. Yeah, we 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 prefer um, whimsical happenstance because it's, it's just a lot easier to come by, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Practically anything that happens, you can say, "Oh, yeah, that was just whimsical happenstance." Yes, indeed. It's just how we roll, <laughs> or at least uh, our you know indifferent acceptance of it. That's really more of it. <laughs> so, Craig. <laughs> so it's less whimsical happenstance and more indifferent acceptance of fate. Yeah. Okay, whatever. Yeah. I think it's, uh, that's where we're going with that. So, Craig, do you have a fascinating, compelling idea for a game based on... Okay, that's raising the bar at the last minute. <laughs> what the hell, dude? Cool. Do, do, do the thing. Do the thing. <laughs> <sighs> Fine. Fine. Okay. Whatever. All right. So, The Lost Continent of Zelandia. As a bit of backstory, there is a continent of Zelandia. It's just that most of it's underwater. Sunken and in fact, continent. The bits that, indeed, sunken continent. And in fact, the bits that aren't underwater are New Zealand, I think New Caledonia. Mm, interesting. Uh, and miscellaneous little islands. But in terms of, in terms of how a continent is, is defined, geologically, there is a continent. It just happens to be a bit lower than the rest of them. It's something to do with the thickness of the crust. It's like, 12 to 20 kilometers lower than it should be or it sunk something which yeah, means if it was a continent new zealand would be this terrifying mountain range funny you should say that yeah <laughs> so yeah you've got and it, it has to do with there being a drop off at the edge of the continent to the sort of median ocean floor kind of thing there's mm. There's a bunch of criteria that, frankly, I am not a geologist and barely understand. But you're a geographer. That's almost the same letters. Come on, I'm a computational geographer. Oh right, okay, cool. Yeah, that's fine. You put computers in front of everything; it basically makes the rest of it meaningless. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be to be clear, I, I am somebody who got as far as they could in computer science, realized they didn't care about assembly language, and managed to bodged together a double major of computer science and geography because I talked the geography department into allowing me to do two years of geography papers simultaneously. Because at my university, the geography department felt the prerequisites were things that happened to other people. <laughs> also, also, they're probably just happy to have you. Yeah. <laughs> Look, they're probably going, ha ha, we pulled one over all those sonotty comp sci people <laughs> not realizing that you were just trying to jump the fence <laughs> a little bit i mean to be fair it it did help when i sort of when i turned up to ask for permission to do a bunch of these quite technical geography papers the person who i needed to get permission from was having trouble with their computer and i was able to help them 
Nice. I did not work for the university. I was a student. <laughs> but, you know, take, take yeah. these things where you can. To be fair, um, yeah. I, I, <clears throat> I remember having interactions with the... Uh, the uh, the, uni- the University of Auckland um, com- the support technical support staff. So yeah, anything to avoid that, I guess. <laughs> to be fair, many of them are people we know, like well, yes. personally. So yeah. <laughs> so it's, it seemed for a while there that the way that one got a job in um, technical support at that university was to be very good at computer stuff, do first year computer science, fail everything because you never went to any of your classes. Because you was really, really good at computer stuff, and then get a job in tech support. Yeah. So I guess the system's working. Mm. Sort of. It's probably been outsourced since, but because ah, you go to other places to fail your courses. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh no, I think I think (laughs) I'm not sure if failing your course has been outsourced, but oh, oh, okay. I was going to say, how do you how do you do that? You just like hire some random person to do your work for you, but make sure they know nothing about. Actually, that would work. Anyway, so Lost Continent of Zelandia. Mm What what struck me with this one was once I looked at you know, looked at some some maps of the, con- the the sunken continent of Zelandia, looked at the depth of the sunken continent of Zelandia, tried to figure out what would happen effectively if you raise that continent to the point where it's above sea level. What happens to the existing bits of New Zealand? And the answer is that they're generally somewhere between a kilometer and a kilometer and a half higher up. Probably would need to factor in a wee bit of erosion. Well, not for what I've got planned. Okay, <laughs> uh, because what struck me, what struck me as being fun, is the whole thing of effectively the let's drop people into an utterly bizarre environment and have them cope sort of game. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, perhaps there is a terrible storm one night, maybe with a bit of earth shaking, sort of low low level earthquakes. I'm not going to give specific. Richter scale numbers because um, there was actually a earthquake in the area that I live. I didn't even know England had those, but um, the other day somebody made a reference to it being actually that was quite a strong earthquake. And my only response was to just type in stairs in New Zealand. <laughs> so my, my scale is, is, is wonky at this point. Yeah, it's true. It's a, it's a relative thing. Basically, the you know, the, the earth shakes a little bit there is perhaps a terrible storm but as the storm breaks and as, as dawn arises we discover that the lost continent of Zelandia has inexplicably resurfaced and because it would be really boring awful and smelly for it to be resurfaced so that now you've got New Zealand sitting there surrounded by thousands upon thousands of square kilometers of mud and dead fish <laughs> I, that does not seem like a fun game to me it has surfaced, and it is inexplicably already forested and populated with a variety of, shall we say, New Zealand or sort of appropriate uh, country adjacent wildlife. Perhaps historical wildlife. Antiques, maybe. Antique wildlife. Or maybe just a little bit bigger, because, I don't know, I kind of like the idea of a a, a Kia that can sort of inexplicably fly, but can look at you eye to eye. <laughs> or, or you know, sort of dodging dodging the 20-foot-tall Pukeko, kind of doing that um, that Godzilla thing down a road. But anyway. So you, you're doing New Zealand of the Lost? A little bit, yeah. Nice. Um, and so you've got, basically you've got, this entire continent has come up out of the sea, is inexplicably already forested with sort of uncut primary forest because that makes no sense whatsoever Mm. because mostly because it would be entertaining you've got no real contact with the rest of the world like communications within the country are working fine but yeah yeah obviously those undersea um the transmission lines are shot and satellite that messages don't seem to be getting through hmm because of New Zealand geography, you've now got an inter- some interesting problems because Auckland, the city that I grew up in, is sort of, it's basically wrapped around an isthmus between two harbours. These harbours are presumably now gently sloping bowl-shaped valleys with a bunch of ships stuck in the trees. <laughs> Heading down further south, the, uh, you know, Various other port cities are now high and dry. And indeed, looking at the um, the map of 
the map of where the continent of Zealandia is, about the only place with any kind of sea access, realistically, is going to be Fiordland on the west coast of the south of the South Island. Mm. The trouble is, that access to the sea is likely to be a cliff kilometers high. <laughs> yes. So basically, and you know, as in terms of how this one could happen, well, I don't know, but what it does put me in mind of is either the whole, you know, the whole thing from Torg of entire regions having their rules rewritten, mm. or I know Rifts had a different approach to it, but a similar thing of like different bits of the world having very different, maybe not different rules, but different stuff going on. I kind of like the idea that, yeah, possibly this is a sort of day zero of Torg type situation and something hasn't gone quite right for whoever tried to remake the, the, the lost continent of Zealandia as this kind of Conan-esque land of the lost Valley of Gwangi kind of situation. That they, like, they got the land back but it didn't actually rewrite the people. Hmm. And so you've got this comparatively small population of people who are about to discover that, boy, if you thought New Zealand housing couldn't cope with winter before, wait till you see what happens when it tries to cope with an alpine winter that it's not built for, as opposed to a subtropical winter that it's not built for. For these and other rants on the state of New Zealand housing, please um, consult my political manifesto. Yeah. <laughs> I was just... So I, I'm wondering about the, the sort of mechanics of this is it that the rest of the continent has been jacked up to approximately you know sea level i think it's the entire continent has been jacked up okay so, so southern alps are now slightly taller than the andes <laughs> yes. auckland city which like is a harbor city so you know sort of average elevation 20 30 meters yeah is now aside at, from the the volcano is now denver something yeah it's uh, yeah, it's it's heading towards being a mile up. Right. All New Zealand cities are about a mile up. There would, well, yes. It, it, presumably, there was <laughs> some um, easement on the whole change of pressure and so forth thing, because like uh, altitude sickness would be a, 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 a question. But yes, it's like okay, a wizard did it. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But yes, just 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 trying to work on. I was thinking maybe the 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 alternative way of doing it is like that. You have the the island of New Zealand is still an island. It's just in this ludicrously big lake. <laughs> it's sort of surrounded by <laughs> a small moat of water leading off to these um, Pangean forests. <laughs> okay, that I kind of like. That'd be quite cool. <laughs> yeah, like, I, 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 I'm not anti that idea either. Yeah, that's for, for, yeah, just for, trying for, to understand because yeah, the idea of yeah those those those. Uh, yeah, the uh, the change in altitude with a place like Queenstown would be be aggressive. <laughs> oh boy, howdy! Yeah, I mean Queenstown, you're getting to. I don't think you're getting you're not, you're not getting anywhere near Everest level, but you're going to be getting to. I don't know Lay, certainly further up than Denver. Mm. Yeah, you're getting you're getting to some significant altitudes there. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. will be quite fun. Well, um, <laughs> apart from your eyeballs feeling tight and... Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's assume that you, you know, that, that was survived. Because um, otherwise that's going to be a really short game. Decomposition, the RPG from White Wolf. Um, <laughs> so, you're faced with a problem now that you've got your own sort of your society going. You're fine. There's this forest out there with some weird noises and those trees shaking in an interesting way. And you have no idea what's happening in the rest of the world. And the only way you're going to find out is effectively by getting to the coast. Probably there are going to be river valleys that you can follow. I mean, I'm going to assume that, um, yeah, if we're assuming that we've magically got our, you know, quite literally magically got our, our forests back, um, then presumably the same uh, subsurface river valleys that exist because like fjords are a thing and geological process is a thing will still exist and are, are navigable. So I'm liking the idea of a group of people effectively trying to make it to the coast in an attempt to see, okay, can we actually, yeah, how far does this go? 
can we actually get to anywhere? Hmm. There are a couple of dirty, great big trenches. I think there's one that comes out from approximately Christchurch or Dunedin and heads off. Mm. But then again, that would land you in the middle of the uh, the open Pacific. So you want to be uh, have a very clear idea of what you were doing. The, the idea of yeah. you know, the, the, the overland trek through, you know, possibly comically prehistoric, pre-habitation, pre-no-giant... Uh, you know, baby eating hawks and so forth <laughs> would be pretty mm. exciting. Yeah, presume. I mean, presumably you'd set off. They'd set off in the direction of Australia. Mm. That's kind of what I'm imagining. Yeah, um, quite where the plot goes. I mean, it would kind of depend on whether other people in other areas had the same idea. Is there a similar party setting off from New Caledonia? Because that would be quite entertaining. Um, there are going to be various islands around who are going to probably be in a much worse situation mm. because they'd be very dependent on the the sea for food, and that would be mm. a very very big adjustment. Yes, yeah, that's not happening anymore. Yeah, I mean New Zealand's fisheries industry is a bit done for, but yeah, I can live with that huh. for, the, for the purposes of this one. So yeah, that was that was my idea. Whether Spinning off from there, whether you do this as a group of of, of bold adventurers setting out into uh, into the forest in search of the outside world, whether you do this as some sort of bizarre kind of troop style play is the wrong wrong phrase, but generational there was, or there was a thing that came up in a supplement for Traveller, the the, the World Tamers Handbook. Hmm which was suggesting a sort of game where you've got multiple sets of characters who don't don't interact but you've kind of got the you've got the people who are kind of on the ground doing the the exploration bit of colonization but you've also got the people who are making the plans sort of the strategic bits and mm. um I didn't read that bit that closely but I can I can see you could maybe get a game out of that so that you've got the you know, the team who are attempting to reach the outside world, but you've also got the people who are attempting to plan for, okay, so winter's coming, and things are looking bad. Also, our fisheries has quite literally collapsed, like, into the trees. Mm. Yes, uh, the, the, the fishing trawlers are now take, uh, taken on new roles as exciting treehouses. Indeed. I mean, potentially you started out with something slightly smaller, of just, you know, rather than being a grand expedition to the edge, it's just kind of a, okay... We've got, yeah, we've received a, a radio message from a cruise ship that had been out at sea. They're now stuck in a forest. Their GPS obviously uh, isn't working because that would be like convenient and useful. Basically, we need to figure out how to get 2,000 people off a cruise ship that's now hmm. somewhat on its side in a forest somewhere 30 miles, uh, yeah, 30 miles away through a place with no roads. And, and just kind of spin it up from there. A place that's never heard of roads. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I get the idea that you, you, you may end up playing out little vignettes in this wacky, topsy-turvy world kind of thing. Also, you know, dealing with the, the, the shock of the changes. And, you know, maybe even uncovering over a course of time what actually happened. Or how this is actually wrought. Could be interesting. That would be cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the idea of, well, what if there's somebody other than you guys on this new continent. Hmm. Then at that point, you're starting to move into sort of the Cadillacs and dinosaurs, Xenozoic tales. Right, that was what it was reminding area. me of. Yes, that's very, um, yes, that sort of a, I mean, you could even pull off the 1950s motif and have your your your, your sort of number eight wire attitude, which for... Uh, Non-New Zealanders is basically the idea that, you know, your rugged Kiwi farmer could fix anything with a stout length of wire twine and, you know, kicking it with a gumboot a couple of times. But, you know... I mean, for certain eras of um, of farming equipment, that does work alarmingly well. Mm, mm. And not not so much with your uh, DRM-locked John Deere's at the moment, but, yeah. No. <laughs> you need, you need, some, you need some, some pretty good hacking skills, unfortunately. But yes, the idea that you're you're dealing with this utterly outlandish thing in a particularly downbeat style and figuring out what you're doing in a in a, a very unusual setting. 
Yeah, I can. So I'm imagining a weird cross between Sir Edmund Hillary and Fred Dagg. Or for people who don't get the the Fred Dagg reference, go and watch Hunt for the Wilder People. Sam Neill's character. Mm. You'll get it. Mm. So yeah, that was that was my idea. Mm. Whether you go full ridiculous as you head out there and have the you know sort of inexplicably Godzilla King of the Monsters scale New Zealand creatures. Mm. I think that one should be left up partially to the players and partially to the GM, but it should get weirder the further out from the further out from mm. oh, from from New Zealand you go. It should get stranger, I feel, and to a certain extent because you've now moved the entire um, the entire habited, inhabited bits of the country to more alpine areas. There are bits of it that are going to be forced. Like, I cannot imagine that the Canterbury Plains are going to be that much fun when you move them a kilometre and a half further up. Yeah, they, they talk about high country farming and that's not what they mean. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is real high country farming. Yeah. On the plus side, yeah, you can sort of roll the sheep down the hill after they freeze solid, I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's where I went with that one. Okay. That, was, that was my particularly ridiculous idea. And as for what is happening in the rest of the world... Um, that's a great question. Yeah. Yeah. The you know, the the idea that this is some sort of failed Torg intervention, mm. and you know, sort of whatever whatever the forces behind behind thing is sort of looking at it going, well, that one's screwed up. Eh, they probably won't get out. It'll be fine. Oh God, where are these guys with the weird accents coming from? <laughs> yeah. Why does that one speak French? Um, yes, it would be very very alarming for everybody. <laughs> yeah, the explanation certainly could be like two worlds colliding this is like oh yeah this is just a a different version they've just kind of been made they're just kind of been shoved together so you know that someone took the the the, the two sets of geography and went solve for x Whee! <laughs> whoops forgot to carry the y mm. awkward <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that could be very interesting i had a bit of a struggle with this it's just, which is kind of it is shameful it's me being the the um my native land and all but the closest i had was pretty much the exact opposite why did zealandia sink and the best Mm. the thing that i the thing i came up with was thinking back to the uh this the 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 story of how the kiwi lost its wings and it's you know it's it's a a fairly straightforward tale that the the god the the maori god of the forest tani mahuta looked upon his domain and saw that there's these terrible insects and grubs and so forth consuming his trees and he's not he's not keen on this so he starts asking his brother who is the god of the air could say could some of your could some of your guys help out and you know and and help deal with this because you know birds eat these things and a selection of the of the birds in question give you know uh excuses why they can't help (laughs) and and uh they're not great excuses and um finally the uh the kiwi, who was a much different bird at this time in, in, in history, apparently, is asked and, you know, is warned, you know, if you if you come down from the, the, the you know, the forest canopy and, and live on the forest floor, you'll lose your beautiful, beautiful plumage and so forth and your ability to fly. But, you know, you'll be doing this great service. And this 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 heroic bird volunteers, basically, it says, you know, I'll accept There's a role. reason it's our national icon, people. Indeed, indeed. Many New Zealanders have had their lives saved by a selfless Kiwi. True story. <laughs> Processing that. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> I was also trying to think of the... Um, apparently in a um, in an armed forces capacity in America, the Kiwi boot polish is known as K1W1 with a short-ass duck on the tin. That's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes, indeed. And, and, and um, the... Uh, you know, the, the, the birds who are not as selfless were, were afflicted with various things which explain why they, they live in their environments and the way they do. While the kiwi becomes this stout, uh, stout flightless, long-legged, kicking creature. Because kiwi are not as small as people think. <laughs> and they will give you one hell of a kick if you, just, if you uh, give them cause to. There's a lot of foot going on. I, I have seen a kiwi sort of tucked underneath somebody's arm in the way that one might, one might try to sort of immobilize an uncooperative cat and uh there's a lot of kicking technology oh, yeah, the, going on there you could tell this 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 rugged ass doc uh department of conservation employees very aware of where those legs are <laughs> yeah <laughs> so it's like, yeah it's like yeah 
So yes, the um, I was wondering about telling a, a, a tale of what happened to these. Um, it might be like a retelling of a, a of Atlantis kind of situation, but yeah, I can't think of a way to approach that. The I I, I do. I mean, I, I like the tale of uh, the Kiwi Lost as well. It is kind of a Nash. It is something of a a New Zealand ideal of somebody hardworking, humble, honest kind of a character. Mm. That that I don't know if that's still sort of like like held up to be a thing, but it's, it's something that made an impression on me in my youth. So yeah, I was wondering how you would how you would face that. I I'm leery about putting it directly in the context of Maori legend and culture. I, I like, I mean, I, I like them. I just, it would be good to see that addressed by somebody with that heritage, you know, with a, and with a lot of expertise there. So I would, add, you know, it's something mm. I, I'm hanging, I would hanging out for. If I, if I see that Kickstarter, I would be very interested in having a look at it. But the idea that Zealandia, for some reason, prior to all of that going on, because... Yeah, was was a thing, and then something happened. Could be interesting. Well, depending on how you wanted to do it, you could turn it into a monumentally depressing "how we lost our land" story. But it 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 kind of going to have to be a, an ecological fable to some degree, doesn't it? it even I mean, the the possibility that you're playing out something like the game Questlandia or something where they um except rather than you know how do these uh how do these few characters who are pivotal to the uh, fate of the kingdom strive and possibly succeed it's like well actually no things are kind of doomed and maybe you're playing out a um last best hope sort of scenario L- yeah like last best hope but with this dying would be a good way to go mm. It puts me obscurely in mind of there's a book by I think Edward Rutherford who does these very sort of millennia spanning um, historical books. Hmm. This one is called Sarum and it's basically about Stonehenge and Salisbury. Yeah, but there is a bit right towards the start of the the book that is set kind of in the dying gasps of the Ice Age where a a character who has lived all of their life in um in the British Isles has been told about you know here is this here, here is this route sort of further south to warmer countries and that kind of thing heads down there and finds the English channel because hmm. the story had been passed down for long enough that yeah it was this kind of boggy marshy place now it's an actual body of water yes effectively you waited too long yeah, so so he was he was oh yeah, take a left, go uh, go through Doggerland, and yeah, <laughs> it's a uh, whoops, yeah. I'm not sure how actually geologically accurate that is, to be honest. Whether uh, whether that's actually how the English Channel, whether the English Channel formed slowly, or whether it was actually a fairly quick process, because I seem to remember something suggesting that bits of it were very very quick and probably very loud. That would have been exciting. I mean, it's 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 not the world's biggest body of water, but you don't want it to happen overnight. Yeah, you don't want to be living on it when it happens. No, um, no. So whether you could pick up a certain amount of that, that it's a... And I don't know how you go about enforcing a vibe in an RPG. I've never managed it. But the idea of a slightly melancholic, you know, all of this is going away, we've got a plan on how to survive it, but it's still a little bit sad and we're saying our goodbyes. Hmm, yeah. Uh, that's that's maybe a way of approaching it. I mean, quite. I'm kind of liking the idea of you know, assuming you've got people, you've got people kicking around, and yeah, this bears less than no relation to actual history, genetics, oh. population, or anything. But the idea of this, these sort of small groups of people, sort of doing the well, you know, this is it. Enjoy the rest of your life. Yeah, we're going to go to New Zealand. Where are you? Oh, you're heading off to the Cook Islands. Brilliant. What about you? Oh, New Caledonia. Nice. As people go their separate ways. It, it does become a little bit Von Daniken and also crosses over with a particularly strain of batshit New Zealand 
non-historical revisionism which insisting that there are giants that once lived in New Zealand and they were therefore the first inhabitants and somehow invalidate the claim of the Maori who who obviously came later than these fictional people in caves they can't quite locate. <laughs> so yeah, they, I mean, they, that's a risky... To be fair, there is that thing that looks like a wall built like a giant um, up at the Whakapapa ski field. But I suspect there's just rocks cracking in straight lines. Yeah, yeah. If only because it's a stupid place to build a wall. Well, even 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 by giant standards, yes. Yeah, but but it's like you know, like the giant's causeway with the um, all those oh yeah wacky hexagonal things. Yeah, but there's there's a certain strain of um, it's all right. You can call them idiots. Yeah, <laughs> idiot. Idiot is probably too kind a word. So yes, I'd, wacky I'd, racists. Wacky racist is pretty good. <laughs> it sounds vaguely like an awful version. Wasn't that a cartoon? The wacky races is a cartoon. Wacky racist is, yeah, it's still kind of not a, and shouldn't be and shouldn't be. Yeah, so that would, yeah, I guess that that's possibly part of why I'm saying this. This what across what this also um, crossed over with was because the fact that there is a a nature sanctuary in Wellington called Zealandia, which I only just heard about relatively recently. And it's interesting because it is a stone's throw from an urban centre, like the capital of the, of the country. It's bordered yep. on three sides with like three of its mo- oldest, most famous suburbs. Was used to be. It's on the bus routes. Yeah, uh, it's 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 it was originally used for um, the, the the city water supply and so forth. I think might still be but they've installed predator-proof fencing because new zealand being a, a relatively isolated island for much of its its time what are, what's what have we got in the way of mammals some bats yeah yeah some, that's it we, some new zealand sm- never really got terrestrial mammals yeah some small bats not not even like even particularly frightening ones <laughs> no and yeah so all of the um the native bird life is not well adapted to rats, cats, cats. stoats, weasels, uh, dogs, and possums, possums, and all sorts of other introduced humans. Um, all, yeah, uh, and mm. all, all the introduced species in question. So the idea is that they keep them out, and apparently the um, and with a bit of social social trapping, which apparently has re- became a thing in recent years of invasive species. Yeah, that, that, it's made quite a comeback. And, you know, living in a place where we do, we've got just tuis just madcapping around the place. They're, 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 they're delightful creatures, but they're c- probably the rest of the bird community considers them as just total hooligans. They are very musical until they suddenly stop. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the, the tuis sort of doing this beautiful tone, 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 tone. Um <laughs> Car alarm. apparently it's very musical if you're a Tui. Yes. Yeah, or yeah, imitating car alarms. So, or, or, or something sounds like a typewriter being chucked down some stairs. It's just, yeah. yeah. It's an improviser of the bird <laughs> world. It's a bit of, bit of the whole free jazz going on. That was the thing I saw the other day of um, a, a bird sanctuary teaching Kia, who are a worryingly smart alpine parrot, mm. How to use touch screens. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Given that these are birds that will vandalize cars, have shown a keen interest in getting into cars, and given that cars are becoming more and more automated and more and more electronic, <laughs> it is only a matter of time before these things combine and you get a Kia that is capable of pinching somebody's uh, electronic car fob, getting into the car. And then telling the autopilot where to drive them to. Yes. Basically, they're going to end up nicking somebody's Tesla. Indeed, indeed. Uh, the, the off chance they will be um, sending rude messages about Kakapo the entire time. They, uh, oh, yeah. They, they, they would strike me as trolls. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that'd be exciting. So, yes, that, that one, of the, one of the things recently in the news that reminded me is the fact that they've, they've found holes cut weirdly high in the fences around this place for a reason no one can particularly understand and yeah it's a it, it's it seems like a really baffling thing to want to sabotage but you know i saw that there's been yeah also somebody dumped an enormous amount of bread somewhere yeah to try and you know in a in a nature sanctuary it's sort of 
somebody who clearly has a bee in their bonnet about conservation and is stupid. Well, whatever the whatever the beef is, clearly it's not something that you can go out and stand in the street and say, "I have strongly, I strongly feel about this." Mm. Yeah, and so whatever they're doing is is just basically yes, it's like the uh, the the people who deploy old fashioned gin traps or leg hold traps in suburban places and wind up you know maiming people's pet cats. Yeah. Yeah, things like that is kind of depressing. So yeah, it looks like I've kind of spiraled myself into a bunch of possibly tangled, uh, regrettable ideas. So yeah, bringing back the forests in your idea sounds a lot better. <laughs> if I was yeah, if I was if I was doing your one, maybe taking some inspiration from things like Last Best Hope, uh, mm. Ten Candles, um, Quiet Year, mm. those somewhat melancholy things are about to change kind of games but trying to be a little bit a little bit uplifting this is kind of these are the people sort of retreating to the high ground that's about to become the low ground yeah yeah you can get a certain noah's ark thing of you're sort of a okay how do we shoo the creatures up here hmm. how, do, how do you persuade a, a a mower to go where you want it to with great difficulty i expect that's- yeah where people don't understand how big um, big kiwi are, yeah, they're having seen the you know the 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 two or three meter tall moa skeletons that have been discovered. Yeah, that's a lot yeah. of bird. <laughs> yeah, for the the benefit of, of of the listener, this is moa spelled M O A, and yeah, a very large flightless bird. Yeah, a bird that couldn't fly and decided, well, screw it, I'll just get really big and scary. And did so alarmingly well. Hmm. Thrived. I mean, there was also, yeah, and there was the Haast eagle, which I think was the top predator in New Zealand for a long time well, until it hunted people mower. with guns arrived. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah, it hunted mower and then it hunted sheep. And yeah, um, that ended predictably. Uh, so yeah, I would I would go with that kind of vibe because hmm. I do like the idea. The like making it a non-depressing the world is coming this world is coming to an end would be the hard bit hmm it depends if that's the vibe you're going for but yes it pretty much would be a choice on that end hmm okay i mean i also like your idea of existing new zealand surrounded by moat and then inexplicable primordial continent that wasn't there yesterday it would be exciting Uh, yeah that would be quite fun and then at least you could take a boat to it Indeed, your boat might you know you might be be travelling across this this slightly briny pond to the other side of the uh, the other side to go. Ooh, those trees are even bigger than we thought. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yes, still that okay. That would be quite entertaining. The whole well, look, it can't be that far away. I mean, look at the size of the trees. Like we've been going for a while. <laughs> those are much. Be- this is a forest of indoor situation. What the hell? Yes, exactly. It's like it's like oh, okay. They didn't look that tall, but the, some of them were below the horizon. Okay. Mm-mm. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it's just a little shrub. No, it's just the top of a much taller tree below. Baboons. Yep. Nice. Cool. That would be fun. Yeah. yeah. Oh. 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 One final modification to that one, and then I'll stop, I promise. Okay. Offer void in some jurisdictions. Having recently watched the movie Downsizing, mm. Mm. and having this vague memory of a French comic about a town, basically a, a, a town and sort of surrounding area that had it had it had shrunk due to some, I think it was a weird sparkling meteor or something. I mean, it, the comic was in French. My understanding of the fine details was a little rusty, let's say. Just as an alternative... An alternative version of the lost continent of Zelandia. What what happens when an entire country shrinks? Mm. And so you're surrounded by trees that were well. You, you probably wouldn't do the whole. Um, you wouldn't do the whole country shrinks, but sort of a city shrinks, and you're surrounded by these towering trees that are actually normal size. It's just you're very small. Hmm. I can see. I have no idea where you go with that. Yeah, I could see how you do it with a village. Anything you know, you, the larger you get, the more. More warping happens to the terrain, but you know that's true. Mm. You do it somewhere, so Hamilton, yeah, somewhere flat, yeah. But would anyone notice if it did disappear? 
<laughs> Sorry. Nope, that's just... And we lost all of our Hamilton. <laughs> for all that it's fun to take the piss out of Hamilton, and we do it relentlessly as, as New Zealanders, I think it's, it's a requirement. Well, certainly as, as, as Auckland is certainly as Auckland is, yes. It's, it's actually a very lovely town. It uh, it's a lovely very, very lovely city. It's, mm. Yeah, it's got this wonderful, um, like there's the... Because it's it's very flat and it's got a river that's run through the area for approximately ever, um, with the result that the river is substantially lower than the rest of the town. And so you've got just this river valley that cuts through the town with some lovely parks and bridges and that sort of thing. It's 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 hmm. if you're ever in New Zealand, actually do actually stop and check it out. It's not somewhere that's going to appear on most of the tourist brochures, but it's actually quite a lovely spot. It is kind of in the way of getting from Auckland to a lot of places. So it's a, it's a good, a lovely place to pause. Uh, sadly mm. named after a, a colonial general who killed a bunch of people and then got his ass handed to him at a, a par nowhere near, nowhere near Hamilton. So that's, so that's oh. fun. <laughs> I, I, I mean, that first bit wasn't great, but the last bit was quite fun. Yeah. It's like he never <laughs> actually made it to Hamilton. So it was, seems <laughs> it has, it has, it, it has its <laughs> own name. In Marathon. I mean, presumably they couldn't just name it after, well, that idiot. Well, they kind of did. <laughs> so, yes. Um, alternately, recently, people have pointed out, yes, that this particular cl- clown shoes ca- character never actually <laughs> made it to Hamilton. <laughs> and it is, uh, it could also be referred to as Kirikiri Roa, which I think is a reference to the, uh, to the river and, uh, the stone, the stones mm. in the river as well, and so forth. So yeah, it's like, which is a lovely sounding name, and yeah, yeah. considering this 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 doofus never got to the place in question, just seems a bit, yeah, it does strike you as a bit of, a bit of a thing. Yeah. Okay. This has been our most educational episode in a while. It has. It's a, uh, it's a worry. Let's try not to do this again. I think I'm getting an ulcer. <laughs> Alrighty, so so we've we've had mystical forests of of wonder and and adventure, serious misgivings about doing stuff the and the other way around because of ass hats. What else do we have on the ballot? As it well, were, John has has checked in with an idea. Mm-hmm. Long ago, in the distant mists of time, when magic ruled and men walked the earth as gods. There were the fabled lands of adventure, Atlantis, Mu, Lemuria, and Zelandia. The players are creating characters for a high fantasy adventure on the lost continent of Zelandia. But forget any Western European fantasy elements, this game would use Maori myths and legends for its basis. The player characters are ancient Maori people that sort of fall into the band of five trope, but with a Maori twist. Now, my knowledge of Maori myths and legend is somewhat lacking... But a quick Google brings up lots, a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. I mean, to be fair, our knowledge of Maori myth and legend is somewhat lacking, and both of us grew up there. Hmm. So, while it's e- easy enough to blame other countries' uh, educational systems, uh, a lot of blame also has to be pointed at the New Zealand one. <laughs> so the background is a mishmash of known demigods, warriors, and gods from Maori and Polynesian religion. Maui is there, causing trouble, but also building the continent. He's not the best builder, hence the whole lost continent thing at all. Maui is a lad. He really, he gets a lot of stuff done, but generally in really unorthodox ways. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the representation in the movie Moana, that kind of matches up with what I dimly remember from school. Like, he, yeah. well-meaning, but prone to error. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it's a, he's he's a larger than life character in many ways. So yeah, yeah. Mm. that's cool. So to properly flesh this out, I would gladly let somebody more versed in the legends of New Zealand populate this fantastical land. It would be high fantasy, though any spell list would have to be modified to fit Maori tradition and practice. One thing about this continent, thanks to Maui, parts keep slipping under the waves, necessitating Maui to fish them back up again and prop them up with a volcano or two. Nothing. Ever bad happens when you add a new volcano to a setting. Yes. Hmm. Yes, and, and like I said, I vo- voiced it earlier, and this was it's this was something that I would really like to see, but I would really not like to see some Pakeha like myself just say, "Hey, I'll just slap a bunch of legends." 
in, into this because I, I do remember that being as like a, a very tempting thing to do right from when I first you know was even like starting off with like fighting fantasy or you know or D and D you know it's cool because you know you you could treat like mythology things like monster manuals and that that happened back in the day a lot but you could slightly hear the shame in your voice when you said that yeah 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 though it did put in mind in a series that I need to get back to which is called the Deadlands which is a almost Shakespearean but with brutal ass fights which Shakespeare was quite fond of as well telling of a a warrior's return from the land of the dead or attempt to 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 seal away the land of the dead be the dead because basically shit was being is extremely fucked up and it's set in this in in deep within maori mythology and in, in the sort of setting so it's a tv lot of, series i think it's yeah I've seen yeah some references yeah so it's, it's it's very much it has the 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 feeling of the you know the, the the aspects of what is honored in the culture and what is not the the main character is not a good guy by anyone's measure including his own so part of the struggle is not not just that they seem to be facing zombies um or the local equivalent but he also dealing with a lot of things in, uh, yes self-esteem issues but very violently out outwardly expressed ones <laughs> ah yeah, so it's interesting. It's that's my recollection. Now. I should I should get back to it, but it, that would be a at least a source for somebody outside of New Zealand to say, "Hey, what's this about?" Yeah, I would be very, very in favour of seeing something like produced locally and with a lot, lots of uh, lots of love from somebody um, with that perspective, because it would still mm. it'd be cool. It would be um, it would be a really interesting setting to explore. It would. I, I do, you know, like your your comment of Ma- Maui being a bit of a lad does very much give me the notion of the, yeah, the continent sinking and, and Maui turning up with this, oh, for fuck's sake, and sort of bodging together a volcano to prop it back up. <laughs> and then all the whole the whole thing of, yeah, you're going to want to move your village because there's going to be about 20 feet of molten rock going through there, right? <laughs> yeah. That's quite fun. I mean, especially for the, you know, if we're doing this as extremely high fantasy of these are characters on their way to becoming legendary figures and who are interacting with demigods hmm. and the like is quite entertaining. I know there are games that, that you know, speak to mythical status. I think Aegon is one, which is kind of a, a Greek version. I don't know too much about it, but the idea that you're... Um, it would be interesting to run a game on the principle that if your stuff wouldn't turn up in a legend, it's really not... It, it, you resolve things by making them legendary, not by having a 10 by 10 pole and checking all the flagstones to fall back on that old canard. The idea is that you, you have to come up with the idea that somewhere something is worthy of a legend, even if it is like a small, it's like a small anecdote about the character. But yeah, build, building a legendary sort of legacy, I guess is the word, would be an interesting mm. focus for that sort of thing. Yeah. Everything has to be has to be epic. You don't you don't move the village or or redirect the volcano. You and your mates go up there and beat the shit out of the volcano until it agrees to leave. Kind of give a stern talking to. Yes. Yeah. 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 And I mean, to be fair, I think I, I do remember one legend that was sort of about the whole Maui Maui and his brothers going and more or less beating the crap out of the sun because it was traveling across the sky too quickly and the days weren't long enough. Hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's the scale of the sort of thing. It's like, yeah, yeah. That, that that won't do. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it could be it could be really interesting. I turn that up to understanding how it worked in. The, I mean, it, you can approach any sort of um, sort of mythology with that, but you really need to have a good a good grasp of what the ideals are. Otherwise, you just kind of you you're just laughing, and you know, and you're nicking people's stuff. Sorry, that, 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 that's that. Yeah, that's that, that. That's not fair for laugh, not fair for laughing, particularly. It's a, it's a, it is. It, it's the Oriental adventures problem. Mm. Yeah, it's sort of just here are all the tropes that you've heard of, but all just mashed into one place. It's yeah, so it's, a, it's not even remotely authentic. This is all, this all came out of movies made in the seventies, sort of thing. 
Mm. Yeah, like Oriental Adventures brought to you by the Shaw Brothers, um, sort of thing. So, someone's hazy memories of the Shaw Brothers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is, I would, yeah, I was going to say particularly with New Zealand, but I suspect it's just particularly New Zealand, with New Zealand, if you are from New Zealand, is the notion of, you know, the, the well, the very real cultural appropriation that goes on, mm. and the notion that if... You know, a couple of white guys, one of whom doesn't even live in the country anymore, sat down and tried to write this mythic fantasy Maori um, Maori role playing game. It would be entirely um, valid for somebody to turn around and say, "Okay, so you <laughs> lot turned out here, you nicked the country, you nicked all our stuff, and now you're literally nicking our history." Yeah, yeah, that would be pretty much it. No, stop it. Yeah, would be the appropriate response. So yeah, no, no, it, it's it's a fine idea. I just, yeah, it would be good to find someone who could really do it justice, I think, is the problem. Yeah, f- fine idea for somebody who isn't us. To... <laughs> yeah. On the other hand, if I can ever figure out how to find that person and, and <laughs> somehow persuade them to make this game, that would be fun. Yeah. Almost no money in it, if if not negative money in it, but that would be fun. Indeed. Right. Yeah, that's, that, that, that is a cool idea. I do like the idea and the... the Bodging together a volcano to prop up the edge of a continent is just hilarious to me. It's it's a good it's a good look. It definitely it does fit the um... lash together with some number eight flats and um... all right, all right. So now we've we're now we've finished being depressing about uh, cultural issues. We return to our native environment, space. It's all right. Um, it's the uh... it, it's much difficult to be obnoxiously woke about space. So, <laughs> it, is, you know. it is. Had to do the Tim Curry pronunciation because that's the the only appropriate one what's it from Spain? it's from i think one of the command and conquer games where he's playing a ah. com- he's doing an fmv character of a particularly batty russian general or something yes i was like we must, we must go where capitalism has not put its, its dirty hands yet let's go to spice and yeah he's having a lot of fun okay. <laughs> all right so, just to, to round out while we are while we are here, John had some uh, thoughts about his uh, our interpretation of uh, his possible typo <laughs> in space hobos. Yeah, he had, yes, he confesses yes, it was a typo, and that's fine. We had some we found a wacky primary source to claim it might not be, and we had a good we had a good old discussion about it. So that's yeah, all. we had great fun with it. I, I still want to figure out how to do like. Little, little Prince meets Lord of the Rings, but I'm, I'm, I'm hazy on the details here. Possibly it already exists in Fate of the Flying Temple, I'm not sure. Anyway, please go on. Indeed, indeed. John writes, What inspired this prompt was the webcomic Dicebox. It's a series that follows the lives of Molly and Griffin, two women working as itinerant labourers in space on other worlds. Here's the link at the start of the series. Warning, this comic is not safe for work in spots. Anyway, this would be a game revolving around the lives of a bunch of space hobos, going from world to world, doing odd jobs, and even harvesting crops on an alien world. Travel is via working passage, doing work on a ship, potentially things like working as a steward, or just doing general maintenance. Your quarters sleep six in the same space a passenger would get. You might get lucky and catch a vagabond ship, a spaceship that just meets the requirements for certification as a space-going vessel. It's run by a clan of anomaly former space hobos, multiple generations in most cases, who do their best to fill all the roles on a ship that normally takes four to six years of special training. The ship's AI helps as best as it can, but little Susie can't quite figure out the circuitry of the hyperdrive. Not surprisingly, she's self-taught from free online courses that are decades old. The vagabond ship arrives on a planet, goes into orbit, and the clan debarks to earn enough money to pay for parts, food, and propellant. Helium 3 doesn't grow on trees, me boyo. The players are either part of the clan, passengers, or that rare thing, stowaways. Rare, as their excess mass could have problems. As the atomic rockets site always says, every gram counts. They disembark and go to find whatever work there is for unskilled labourers on a calling world. Since it's the future, all sorts of opportunities are available for fun and adventure. So, Bob, you got us a job as damn thing wranglers. You know, it's an omnivore, and we are protein compatible. <laughs> Thank you, John. It's uh, yes, that's uh, that is another that's int- another interesting approach on the um, the itinerant workers in space. That sounds pretty cool. I mean, bits of this remind me of various 
hostels I've stayed at. So the sort of sleeping six in the same space as a single passenger would get. I can think of a couple of places that fall into the category of, yes, just because you can fit two sets of bunk beds into a room doesn't mean you should have. Yes, doesn't meet minimum standards for privacy, safety, and sanity. Eh, hostels aren't big on those. Um, I, I have stayed in, I stayed in eight bedrooms in hostels. I stayed for quite a while in one that had uh, triple decker bunks in in some of the rooms because it was quite an old building and so relatively high, mm. relatively high ceilings, and so they took advantage of it. So you had. There are three levels of bunks which were tall enough that you could sit up in them. Right, so top was it bottom, top, and nosebleed? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, the bottom bunk was like you roll out of bed, you're not going to fall to the floor because it's like three inches away. And I think somebody did fall out of the top bunk once. There was a god awful crash and some swearing, but they seemed to be okay. And the other thing that it brought me in mind of was a. It was a thing I saw a few years ago with some people who had, they'd done the thing of get an old school bus fitted out as a thing that you can live in and drive around, except they they somehow managed to have some extra space, God knows how, and so they had this set of three coffin-like bed bunk sort of things that they were renting out as effectively backpacker, well, backpacker storage for want of a better word that you could like they sort of publicized their route and you could pay to stay on the bus with the family so it's a bit airbnb a bit backpacker and it's effectively a moving hostel you sort of get on in one place you get off in another uh which the this sort of puts me in mind of with the vagabond ships right sorry i was my brain was going krieger that's that thing's rolling probable cause (laughs) (laughs) that's an archer reference for for the folks. Fair enough. I'm not sure I got that far with Archer. I think yeah. I got like two and a half seasons into Archer, maybe. I think the van turned up in like season three or four. Uh, it's been a mainstay ever since. That and it's a holographic projector for Kimiko, Krieger's wife. That was a lot of emphasis he put on the word wife there. <laughs> I'm not sure if they're married in any way that counts. Um... <laughs> See me, your authority is not recognised in Ford Kickass, but um, yeah, <laughs> indeed. So yeah, that one, I kind of like that one because I mean, it basically just puts me in mind of weird space-going backpacker hostels. Hmm. And given that various of these places, I mean, an enormous number of the ones that I've stayed in are morally staffed by residents of the hostel. I ended up running one for two weeks in Inverness over Christmas and New Year once because I was there. Myself and, and former uh, former Kajitia Gulo T um, ended up to somewhat running this um, guest house or hostel because, well, we were there and it was Christmas and New Year, so everybody had wandered off. And so the idea of that from a spaceship point of view of, is it a, well, the hyperdrive's down. Does anybody have the manual? It would be interesting if you say had a um, emancipated ship and its AI, and it really is like an awkward legal position. But it needs some it needs some some crew to help it do what it's doing. It's perfectly happy to ferry around. You know, all right, there's going to be a harvest on this planet, so if we get there, we can we can you know we do some work and buy some parts and fuel, and it's like. It, it it's perfectly happy being a ship and, and poodling around, but it wanted to do it on its own terms. It just turned out those its own terms is this weird menagerie of, of crewmates that are, are just trying to figure out how to keep everything ticking over. I like that. That is quite fun. And somewhat hooks in with what I'm reading at the moment, because I am I am reading or have been reading the Murderbot Diaries by like Marshall Martha Wells. That's a great name. What, Murderbot or Martha Will? Um, I'd go with Murderbot. Um, well, there's yeah, there's four sort of novellas and, and then there's a novel, so I'm reading that at the moment. And yeah, it does have a certain amount of the the the, the private lives of automated systems vibe to it, effectively. So that, that is quite fun. Yeah, oh, pretty cool. Then yeah, it, it's certainly where I wound up sort of going to it with a bit more of a a Kessler syndrome explanation, but yeah. 
Hmm. That's cool. Well, again, thank you, John, for excellent content and great ideas. I'm sure the hobos of the Spaceway will be uh, well pleased. At some point I will figure out how to do that weird little sort of floating planetoid Shire game idea. Mm. I haven't, I haven't mm. got it yet, but at some point I'll figure it out. In a way that isn't just like a cheesy rip-off, because... Just a grotesque pastiche. Yeah, just... Yeah, you basically just take take Lord of the Rings, but make all of the locations their own planetoid, and we're done. It's like, boring. <laughs> yeah. Mm. And also makes that whole bit with Buckleberry Ferry just very difficult to explain. <laughs> yeah, most people's so eyes have glazed over by that point anyway. So that that brings us to the end of what we will laughably call the content for this episode. Indeed. Out there in the world, people voted multiple times. In succession. Indeed. For a variety of things. But um, possibly the most important thing that was uh, has been voted on in the, 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 the past little while, has been what the topic for episode 150 is. Indeed. Yeah, there, there are a variety of le- elections, whatever. This, this, is, this is the one that counts people. And so we are, we are pleased to announce that um, leading the field for episode 150 with a massive four votes <laughs> is Despicable Fusion Cuisine, which does make me wonder how many people were scarred at a personal and emotional level, by terrible restaurants. Indeed, or uh, with themes that are, well, quaint. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so yes, episode 150, Despicable Fusion Cuisine. Which then brings us to um, what's going to happen for episode 151. Indeed. Will in fact be our last episode for the year 2020. And... I think I'm not alone when I say that I'm really looking forward to seeing the back of the year 2020. Certainly all of its uh, trademark hilarity. I, you know, I, I have liked the notion that what we're seeing is the result of a harried time traveller who's trying their best to fix it. And it just makes it worse. Sort of like, hey guys, I fixed the uh, murder hornets. What do you mean, pandemic? <laughs> yeah. So, we have some... Uh, Holdovers from last week, because I'm sure you'll you'll enjoy not voting for them just as much. Don't vote hard, don't vote often. Where's Indeed. this bit going? Indeed. So, your options for 151 are Leroy's Missing Hedge Veg. Drab Majesty. VIP Zealot. And your new non-favourite, Floating Steel Reef. Hurrah. Which kind of sounds like a terrible... 70s band name. Yeah, it's true of a lot of things, though. Like that's most, fair. most actual 70s band names. Yeah, that's fair. So, thank you for joining us to explore the lost continent of Zealandia and all of the depressing things it made us think of. <laughs> I, I don't have a funny bit to follow that. I was just going to leave that sitting there for a while. Come on, try harder. <laughs> I can't. I'm too depressed. Oh, no. I'm filled with colonial guilt. Right. On that note... We'll say say goodbye, and we'll see you next time for some despicable fusion cuisine. Would it be wrong of me to come to the episode with recipes? It'd be wrong of you not to. I, to be fair, you've tasted my cooking. Would it still be wrong of me to turn up with recipes? Have I? It's been a while. I, I, I may have actually forgotten. That would be a kindness. <laughs> All right. Good night, everybody. See you next time. Goodbye. Want to hear more of our shenanigans? Then go to hoarde.net and click on the button that looks like a couch. The Big Red Couch is released under Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported from creativecommons.org. All music on the show comes from the album Universal Fluff Theory by Krakatoa. Visit them at krakatoa.com or follow the link from our page. See you next time!